Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 203 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about money. Let's dive in. Did you know that there are twice as many verses in the Bible about money than there are about faith and prayer combined? Or did you know that 15% of everything that Jesus said was related to money? Isn't it interesting how often we in the as the body of Christ shy away from this topic of money or finances? It's like it's become this negative thing that we kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's important. Uh, yeah, I need it to function, uh, but let's not talk about it. And it's interesting that the Bible, it's like goes out of its way to deal with this specific area of our lives. And I think that's really important for us to recognize because money should not be an afterthought of our Christian life. Money really, and it shouldn't be the very first thing, by the way, either, because that is supposed to be Jesus. But biblically, we see that money is actually really important in terms of our perspective on it and how we use it. Well, over the next couple of weeks, I wanted to talk through this idea or this topic of money and finances. Now, again, it's kind of one that most of us kind of shy away from, but I actually think it's really significant of how we approach and how we handle this particular topic. Well, in this particular episode, I, I want to look at three little ideas with you as it relates to money. And I really just want to set a foundation or a platform for this idea of resource finances so that we can build upon it in the next couple of weeks. So let's just dive in. Number one is this idea of stewardship. Several times throughout Jesus's parables, for example, Luke 16, Matthew 25, Luke 19, Jesus talks about this concept of stewardship. Now, stewardship is not really a term that we use much in the modern day. And if you hear that term, my guess is that it probably brings to mind uh, building fundraisers or, you know, someone in the church saying, all right, we're going to talk about stewardship. Uh, pull out your wallets and give the church a whole bunch of money. <laughs> but stewardship, the idea of stewardship comes from this concept 
that here is a master and he has a steward beneath him. Now, the steward doesn't own the resources. The steward merely manages the resource of the master. And it's interesting that Jesus uses that concept several times throughout his teaching as it relates to how we engage with money. In other words, the emphasis is you don't own it. Yeah, you go down to your job and you get a paycheck, but that money actually isn't yours. You are a steward for the kingdom of heaven. That paycheck is God's. So then the real question is, all right, with your paycheck that you worked hard for, how does God want to use that paycheck? There was a radical shift that took place as we came out of the Old Testament and came into this new covenant that Jesus talks about. It's interesting in the Old Testament, there was this idea of like the tithe, that whatever I made or whatever I earned or whatever I harvested, I would give God a tenth or a tithe of that resource. But isn't it interesting that as we come into the New Testament, rather than saying, okay, well, God, I'm going to give you one day a week. Okay. It's going to be the Sabbath. So the rest of the days are mine. This one's yours. God, I will give you a tenth. The rest of the money is mine. In the New Testament, Jesus does away with that whole idea and says, do you not realize that you are now God's? Paul is really strong on this throughout his epistles. Do you not know that you are no longer your own? You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. And again, this shift has taken place. Whereas before I had six days, God had one. Now God is to have every moment of every single day. That it's not just I go and be a Christian one day a week when I go down to the church. It's I'm to be a Christian every moment of every single day as I am filled with his spirit. Same thing goes with money. Rather than merely giving a tithe, all the money that I have is his. So the real question is, well, how does God want to use all my money? How does he want to use all my time? How does he want to use all of my mind and my talent and my resource and whatever else I may have. I am merely the steward that God is going to leverage me, my life for his purpose, his plan for the sake of the kingdom. In his incredible book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity, Randy Alcorn said it this way. He said, stewardship isn't a subcategory of the Christian life. Stewardship is the Christian life. After all, what is stewardship except that God has entrusted to us life, time, talents, money, possessions, family, and his grace? In each case, he evaluates how we regard what he has entrusted to us and what we do with it. That is a great reminder of this idea that we are merely the stewards of our lives. We are not the owners of it. So as we begin to talk about this idea of money, it's really important to recognize the concept of stewardship, that God is the one who actually owns it. We are merely the managers of it. And I love this idea that as a good master, it's not that God is just greedy and nasty and mean, where he's like, all right, I'll give you just enough, you know, so you can have some food and maybe some clothing and maybe a roof over your head. In the midst of this jurisdiction that God has given us with managing his money, it's amazing that he makes provision for rest, for fun, for enjoyment. Is it okay to go out to eat once in a while? Absolutely. Is it okay to 
you know, spend some money on a hobby that refreshes and rejuvenates you that and ultimately makes you a better gospel tier for the kingdom of God? Well, sure. But again, we have to remember that this isn't about being selfish and what I can get and what I can gain and building my IRA and building my savings account. This is about, all right, God, here's this money. How do you want to leverage this money? Do you want to give it away? Do you want to use it? Do you want to save it? In other words, this isn't my money where I get to determine whatever I want to do with it. I get to be the manager or the steward of his resource. Well, in terms of building this foundation idea of money, I want to talk about this kind of this side, and it maybe sounds a little, maybe it sounds a little strange, but this idea of salvation. I, I've been blown away as I've just been preparing and just reading and researching on this idea, how often how we handle finances is a reflection of our salvation or the fact that God has changed our life. Over and over and over again, as people were responding to the message of Jesus Christ, as they were coming and submitting themselves unto the Lord, what began to be changed immediately was how they handled finances. And I, I actually find that quite maybe disturbing in some ways because it begins to po- poke at this idea that, again, it's not that I'm spiritual in this part of my life and then I'm financially responsible in this part of my life. Everything in my life should be spiritual. Everything in my life should be under the authority of Jesus Christ. Everything in my life, therefore, needs to come out and flow out of this idea of the working of God in my life through his spirit. So let me give you a few illustrations of this. And again, just hear the tone of as someone comes to Christ or when someone encounters and is transformed by the spirit of God, what you begin to see happen is that God controls and dictates and changes how they handle resources. For example, you have the rich young ruler who wouldn't come to Jesus Christ because he refused to give up his riches. But contrasted to that, you have Zacchaeus in Luke 19, verses 8 and 9. Listen to this. Jesus comes into town. Uh, of course, you know, Zacchaeus, he's, he climbs up the sycamore tree, you know, that whole story in, in the song. But it says that when Zacchaeus stopped, he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I am giving to the poor. And if I if I've exhorted anything from anyone, I am giving back four times as much. So in other words, Jesus comes into town. He confronts Zacchaeus and says, hey, I'm coming to your house tonight for dinner. Hey, let's go. Zacchaeus in this transforming encounter says, Lord, I, I need to make something right. Of all the people that I've extorted, of, of, all, the, of all the money that I've gained as a tax collector, uh, I'm going to start changing how I handle my resources. Now, listen to what Jesus says about his response. So again, Zacchaeus is talking about money, about how he's going to change how he's handled money up to this point. And Jesus' statement is, today, salvation has come to this house. Isn't that interesting? That, yes, it's salvation is not based on works. We understand that. Salvation is not based on what I do. Salvation is not based on even how I handle resources and finances. But isn't it interesting when I embrace the reality of Jesus Christ, when he comes inside of my life through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it seems like it's going to change how I handle money. You see that in the early church, that the early church is now filled with the Spirit of God in Acts chapter 2. 
And it says that all the believers were together and had all things in common, and they would sell their property and possessions and share with them all to the extent that anyone had need. Or in Acts chapter 4, we, we hear about the fact in verse 34 and 35, for there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would distribute to each to the extent that, that, that any had need. Now, we understand that not every single person sold their house and property. And we know that because they would meet together regularly in the houses. <laughs> so they had to have houses. So it's not that everyone sold everything, but there was a lot of people selling a lot of things, including houses and property. And isn't it, again, isn't it amazing? The spirit of God moves and they say, hey, this, this resource, all this stuff, the house, the property, the money, the, these are not ours. How can we use this? For the sake of the kingdom of God. For some, they sold it and gave it to the poor. For some, their house became the vehicle through which the early church could actually meet and gather together and encourage one another. Uh, in Acts chapter 19, you hear about the fact that God is moving through Paul and in, in the city of Ephesus. And so here are all these Ephesians who've been wrapped up in this occult and this dark black magic kind of stuff. And they take their magician magic books and they lay burn them in a fire. And it says that, I find it interesting, Luke records that the price of the books was found to be 50,000 pieces of silver. And one scholar did the calculation. He says it's probably right around $6 million. I mean, could you imagine God moves upon the lives of these individuals and they grab all of their books of sorcery, of magic, of the dark arts kind of stuff, which uh, uh, Ephesus was known for. And they says, hey, we cannot have this. So though it may cost $6 million, or that's the value of these books, rather than trying to sell them to gain money, they said, no, we're getting rid of this. Isn't it amazing? Again, just when, when the Spirit of God moves, it, it changes your mindset on money. John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3 is being asked about the fruits of repentance. So John the Baptist is preaching down at the Jordan River and he's, all these people are gathering together and they're listening to this message of, hey, repent, repent, repent. And Luke chapter 3 verse 8 says, John, John's proclaiming, therefore produce fruits that are consistent with repentance. In other words, if you repent, there are fruits. There's an outflow that takes place with the repentance. Again, repentance is not of works. It is of faith by belief. But when I believe and when I repent, there seems to be an action that begins to follow, which does make sense because Christianity, the faith in Christ is not merely a mental thing. It is to affect every area of our life. So yes, we are saved by grace through faith. But when we are saved by grace through faith, that's going to change how we live. It's going to change how we think. It's going to change how we talk. It's going to change how we respond and act with finances. So in Luke chapter three, John the Baptist says, hey, produce these fruits consistent with repentance. Verse 10 says that the crowds were questioning John saying, well, what should we do? And John answered and said to them, the one who has two tunics is to share with the one who has none. And the one who has food is to do likewise. Now, even tax collectors came to be baptized and they said, teacher, what are we to do? And John said to them, collect no more than what you've been ordered to do. And soldiers also questioned him saying, well, what are we to do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone, 
nor harass anyone, and be content with your wages. Isn't it interesting that these fruits consistent with repentance, people are saying, okay, well, what what do those look like? And in all three cases, they refer to money. Now, I don't know what you want to do with all that, but isn't it interesting that again, and I'm really trying to be strong on this so (laughs) so there's no confusion. We are not saved by works. We are not saved by how we handle money. But when we are saved and when the grace of God comes in and transforms our life, it will affect how we handle money. And apparently one of the fruits that out is, is an outflow of repentance is this idea of, well, how are you going to handle the resources that God has given you? So again, it goes back to this idea of stewardship, that these are God's resources. How does he want you to handle them? So number one, we had the idea of stewardship. Number two, we had this idea of salvation, that there's this evidence of being saved that's going to flow in how we actually live our life, which includes how we handle money. And third, I just want to lay this foundation of asking the question, what is it that you're actually seeking? See, for so many of us, especially in America or Western culture, we are seeking financial stability. We are seeking oh retirement. We, we, we are seeking plush environments around us. We are seeking, ah, oh, wonderful vacations and nine to five jobs. But do you realize that the Bible says that we are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be provided to you? Well, what are the all these things? Well, when you look at Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about the clothing, the food, the housing, that he says, look, all these things that that the birds and the, and the grass of the fields don't have to worry about, hey, those things will be provided for you because you have a good, loving father. So what am I to seek after? Don't seek after the riches. Don't seek after the wealth. Don't seek after, seek after God and his righteousness. I think for so many of us in Western culture, we've been so pressed by the mindset, by the attitude, by the focus of culture that we have lost first things, that we are seeking all these other things other than God and his kingdom. That when it comes to money, it's like, well, God, you stay over there and uh, I'll visit you down at the church house. And hey, I'll even give you a tithe, though it has been reported that less than 6% of, of, of adults give a tithe, even a tithe, 10%. But hey, at least we justified in our mind and say, okay, God, uh, I'll, I'll do my job and I'll live my life. And then I'll, I'll just, I'll throw you some pennies once in a while. And God says, that's not actually what I want. I want you to seek me first. I want you to seek my kingdom. I want you to seek my righteousness. Don't, don't worry about all these other things. Should you have a job? Sure. Should you work hard? Absolutely. Should you get a paycheck? You might as well. But you got to realize that that's actually not your money. That's actually his, your time, your talent, your money, your abilities. All of it is actually his. What if we would have this mindset shift that would say, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm fully surrendered. I'm fully consecrated to you. I'm yielding my life unto you. How do you want to use this life? How do you want to use my talent? How do you want to use my resource? How do you want to use that which I own? How do you want to use my life? Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
so that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. I know we have that verse, many of us have that verse memorized. But again, I think we've so come under the mindset and the authority of what culture tells us we should do with money, what culture says is success, what culture says is the American dream, that as Paul exhorts us in Romans 12 too, would you be willing to be conformed, not to this world, but conformed to the image of Christ? Would you allow him to transform your mind, to renew your mind, even in this area of money, finances, and resources? Maybe you've never thought of yourself as a steward, but rather you're, you've thought of yourself as the master, the one in control of this whole thing. Would you be willing to let God pry open your fingers, would you come to the foot of the cross and surrender, yield your life afresh to Jesus and say, God, I want you to control everything. I want you to be in control of my life. So Lord, I offer willingly my life, this vessel, this body that you've given me, my time, my talent, my resources, including my money. Martin Luther made an intriguing statement He said, there are three conversions necessary in the Christian life. In other words, as we come to Christ, there needs to be three key conversions. And here they are. So this is what Luther said. He said, the conversion of the heart, the mind, and the purse. That according to Martin Luther, three things radically need to change in our life when we come to Jesus. Our hearts, our minds, and our money. Well, over these next couple of weeks, I want to keep diving into this idea of just how do we handle money well, biblically. Again, the Bible has so much on this topic. Now, if you like some great resources on this particular topic, I could not recommend any higher Randy Alcorn's three books on this idea of managing money. I think of everyone that I've read, and I've read a ton of books on money and finances over the years, but I love Randy Alcorn's heart as the way he approaches just how are we to be stewards of God's resources. He's probably the most biblically faithful person on this topic that I've ever come across. And he really views this idea of money and resource through the lens of eternity, of not just how do we live a good life now and how do we pamper ourselves and how do we build our IRAs. Rather, he says, okay, you are a steward. This is God's. How are we going to use money in light of eternity? So if you like a biblical perspective on this idea of money and resources, then I would encourage you to check out Randy Elkhorn's three books on this particular topic. One, he has a book called Managing God's Money, a Biblical Guide, which is kind of a short overview of just how to handle money, which, by the way, is this month's Deeper Christian Book Giveaway. Every month, I give away several copies of a particular title that I just think has been really helpful and encouraging in my life. And since we're talking money in the month of May, I decided it'd be fun to give away Randy Alcorn's book, Managing God's Money. If you're interested in that particular title, well, I'm giving away five copies this month. And if you would like to enter, all you have to do is go to the show notes for this particular episode, whether it's in your podcast app or in the actual show notes on the website, deeperchristian.com forward slash 203. And if you go to those show notes, you'll see a link where you can enter in to win one of those copies. But again, it's a great little just overview of this idea of how to handle money well biblically. Randy Elkhorn also has a book called Money, Possessions, and Eternity, which I actually think is probably the best of the three books, but it's rather long. 
it's a really kind of a deep dive into this idea of, okay, how do we handle money, our possessions, all in light of eternity? But if you like a deep dive biblically in this topic, I would really encourage you to check out that particular title. And then he also has a book on the secret of joyful giving called The Treasure Principle. Now, there are links to all those books in the show notes. But again, if you're interested in taking this idea even deeper, I would highly encourage you to check out those books by Randy Alcorn. And I hope you'll join me over these next couple of weeks as we take this idea of money and stewardship even deeper. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 203 for episode 203. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.